Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Well, Dave, thanks for joining me on the programme. Uh, before we get stuck into growing up in Cork in, in a few glorious decades for sport and how inf- it influenced uh, the likes of yourself and myself growing up in Toker, which you describe so well in your book, Boy Wonder, you know, tales from the sidelines of an Irish childhood. We'll, we'll get stuck into that shortly. But uh, if you don't mind, let's uh, talk first about uh, the, the election. The whole eyes of the world, of course, are on this election in a few days' time in the USA. It's, it's pretty much what everyone's talking about. Even my three-year-old daughter is talking all things Trump at the moment moment. Record numbers voting, Dave. What do you expect uh, will happen in this election on Tuesday? What's likely to happen, do you think? I think the most likely thing to happen, and what I fear will happen, is that Joe Biden will win the popular vote um, by maybe a record margin, and that Trump could squeeze out an electoral college victory and remain president for four more years. (laughs) That's the way I, you know, that's what keeps me awake at night right now, (laughs) is is thinking of that, because I'm not even a Joe Biden fan, but I just think Trump is an appalling character and he's bad for the country and he's bad for the world. He's bad for the whole world and, and you know, we just need to get him out. And I fear, I, I see his supporters around, around where I live, actually, they're rabid, they're fanatical, they are energised by him. And I, and I just think that they will turn up in enough numbers in those crucial five or six states that swing every American election to get him over the line. Yeah, I was going to ask. I hope I'm wrong, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I I was going to ask you about that actually, Dave. That he has fanatical supporters. Where do you think he has delivered for them? He hasn't delivered for them at all, and that's the amazing thing: is he doesn't care about them. He's shown he doesn't care about them, and they love him. They, they love. It's a cult. It's like he hasn't done any of the stuff that he promised them that he would do. He has lied to them consistently, and they are as fanatical about him. They are more fanatical about him today. I think they are dug in because they, they perceive the media to be against him, which I think is true. The media are against him. And that makes them more devoted to him than ever before. You can't have a logical argument with them. I mean, this, this man has been cavalier about the virus. He doesn't care that old people are dying. And they are many of, of you know, it's old people are his voters. That's his demographic. Yeah. And they, he doesn't care that they're dying in record numbers, that we are the world leader now, <clears throat> excuse me, in virus deaths. But the, the, the supporters, it's, it's a religious cult. You know, it has all the elements of a religious cult. It doesn't matter what the leader does. We will follow him right over the cliff. Yeah, because that's another thing I was going to talk about, that he has been heavily criticised for his handling of the pandemic, or at least his approach to it, Dave. Well, where we are now is we, we had 100,000 new cases uh, in one day, which I think is a world record. And he was on the campaign trail at that, that very day saying, we've turned the corner. 
We're on top of this thing. You know, it's all over. And it's getting worse. You know, 1,000 Americans are dying every day, which every three days we're having the same amount of American death as we had on 9-11. And America is still fighting a war about 9-11 in Afghanistan nearly 20 years later. Now 3,000 Americans die every three days, and his fans don't care. They're, they're absolute, and I, and I call them fans, they're, they're like, you know, because they're fanatics. They're just, they're devoted to him, nothing he does. The truest thing Trump ever said was when he was on the campaign in 2016, and he said, I could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue, and my supporters wouldn't care. He's absolutely right. They don't care. It's amazing. I'm not into politics myself, Dave, but, you know, obviously I'm keeping an eye on things, and it's, it's, it's there in front of your face on news 24-7. But, you know, I'm hearing that Trump's road to victory this time around is narrower, whatever that means. Is there any truth in that, that his road this time is a narrow one? Absolutely. He, he's definitely not doing as well in the, like, it's a bizarre system. It was devised by an Irishman, Pierce Butler, the Electoral College, uh, whatever, in the 1700s. And so we blame us. You know, we, it was a guy from Carlow, actually. So, you know, the Electoral College system means four or five states will decide it. He isn't doing as well in those states as last time, but he doesn't have to, you know. The, the problem we have with the polls is Biden is ahead in, in a lot of polls. But Trump supporters, when they get the phone call from the pollster, they won't come out as a Trump supporter, many of them. You know, he has the fanatics who are out in the streets driving the pickup trucks with the American flags. But then he has these closet supporters who won't tell people they're voting for Trump, but will go in and vote for him on the day. So if the pollster calls the closet Trump supporter, they'll say, oh, I'll vote for Biden. But when they go into the school on the day to vote, they will pull the lever for Trump. You were saying there earlier, you're not a Biden fan either. Uh, should should there be kind of a, a younger man in, in, in opposition against him, do you think? He, he's a terrible, like Biden is just a terrible, uninspiring candidate. Um, he's a placeholder, basically. Like he's just put there to hold the place. Um, and, I, and I would say this, I talk to people, I, I haven't got a vote. I'm not a citizen here. But I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and she stood in line for three hours to vote for Biden and she said to me afterwards, I don't think, you know, young people are going to stand on a line for three hours to vote for Biden. They don't care enough about him. He, he hasn't inspired them. He hasn't, you know, made them passionate about it. Whereas if you flip that over, whatever you say about the Trump supporters, they're passionate about him. Mm. They'll stand in line for three hours to just to vote for him. Whereas that's the problem with the Biden thing. If you had a younger candidate that energized the young people, I would be much more confident about Tuesday. Right, okay. Well, uh, all eyes of the world will be on that on Tuesday for sure. How are things with you in America, Dave? How long are you there now? And, um, you know, how are things with this COVID-19? How are you coping yourself and the family? Well, the same as everybody. I'm, I'm here 20 years now, uh, Trevor, and this is obviously the most bizarre time any of us have ever lived through. Mm. Um, it's frightening because, I mean, every government seems to be struggling with it in one way or the other. But, you know, again, we have a, we have a leader who doesn't even take it seriously. We have a lot of people here who don't believe in science. And that would scare you. You know, that would scare mm. you. In New York, in fairness, we seem to have got a handle on now with this. Um, you know, we were very bad in March and April with mm. Governor Cuomo, who made a lot of mistakes himself. But he, he has taken it seriously. And we, ha- we are in a much better shape than most places in America. But again, we still have a lot of people who don't take it seriously. And that would frighten me as we head into the winter. Mm. Uh, just on a sporting sense, I know your, your, your lads are a bit into sport. You're actually going training there shortly, are you? I'm going to a match, yeah, right. which, again, is bizarre. There, some sports are allowed 
on in some hours. Yeah. So I'm going to an under-14 soccer match <laughs> when I leave here. Right. Um, but then other school, the school teams are banned from playing, but the weekend teams are allowed to play, which makes no sense to me. Like, yes. you either go with all of them or, or, or none of them, you know. But yeah. everybody on the sideline has to wear masks and socially distance and what have you, and the kids have to wear masks right up until until the kickoff. So I guess they're trying what they can, you know. Yeah, it's, it's baffling in some areas. Same here, obviously, with uh, certain sports on and off. But uh, just let's talk about uh, your um, sporting experiences, uh, Dave. A lot of them, I'm sure, similar to mine growing up in the Balavihan Toker area. Um, you know, street soccer was huge, makeshift tennis courts, Toker AC, the bars, Jimmy Barry Murphy, Toker Boxing Club, you know, a gymnastics the Lee Bats, all of which you uh, talk about in your book, Boy Wonder. Yeah, I I felt like um, the the reason I wrote that book was I I thought at that time, you know, and and since the book came out, like people from all over Ireland of our age group have said the same to me, that that was a kind of a glorious age to grow up in, Mm. in terms of, of, you know, the freedom that you had and and the life that you lived, the outdoors kind of life you lived. You were thrown outside for hours. Mm. You made up games, and you learned to play almost every sport. Like, you know, you you learned to play tennis, (laughs) even if you probably never were on a real (laughs) tennis court, (laughs) you know, until you were 14 or 15, but you played tennis in whatever the parking area was on your street, like, or whatever the tarmac was, Mm. and, you know, two chairs and a a piece (laughs) of string. And it was a fantastic education in, in, you know, in how to play every sport. And, and And you'd learn to turn your hand in everything like you were you might have been handier at one thing than another but you played a bit of everything yeah. and he, even today like I, I see the FBI today are in trouble in Ireland for, for saying you know kids should specialise in one sport from, from the age of 12 jeez we played a bit of everything and that was the I think that was the best thing you could do in terms of, of, of physical education for your body and you know we turn our hand to anything and I, I you know I'll give you an idea we were I was on holidays with my three boys a couple of years ago and there was a pool table in the in the hotel and they'd never played pool in their lives. <laughs> and, I was like, and I was looking at them going, and then I'm like, sure, where would they have? Like, where you know, we could play pool, we could play snooker, yeah. you know, you'd go to the whatever. We go on the, the Hopkins School. Club. Yeah, we go on the yeah, Hopkins School to play. Everything, like, you could play darts, you could play anything. Like, you learn, you know, they were the winter games. Like, when the rain came, you played darts in the back bedroom for hours. Like, and, and the way I talked about, like, darts basically learned you mathematics. Like, you know, 317 is 51, you learned 319 is 57. You learned that playing darts, you know? Yeah, and I know that uh, you, you played with the bars. Like myself, I played kind of um, with the, the street leagues kind of thing. Diefield, I think, was my team with the bars back then. And you played a bit of soccer with Kays and Celtic, Dave growing up yourself? I did. It was, you know, again, I, play, I, I, I played for the Bears. I was a, a very bad hurler on a Bears team that won in under-16 county um, that was full of great hurlers. And I played with Casement. I used to check over to Ballyvihan Park there, meet by the church in Ballyvihan mm. on a Sunday morning, pile into the back of a, of a van and go on. You know, fantastic times. You look back in it like and you go, geez, we're very lucky. You know, it was a great, it was a great place to grow up. And, and I mean, the Bears at the time, like in the 1980s, like the Bears were probably the best club in Ireland. They were winning yeah. football all Ireland and hurling all Ireland. And you had JBM like walking among you. Like you mm. could see this god just walking in and out of the club like a normal person, like a real human being, you know, <laughs> except we knew that he wasn't a real human being, yeah. that he was Jimmy Barry Murphy, like he was a god. Yeah, and uh, that brings me on to my next god in Toker, Dennis Irwin. Uh, I mean, he's obviously um, probably uh, globally 
uh, Toker's biggest name, although Rob Heffernan may uh, disagree with that. But uh, Dennis celebrated his birthday yesterday um, and we paid tribute to him on, on a programme I do with Premier League Live here at the weekends, Dave. And, um, you know, um, what a servant for Manchester United and the Republic of Ireland. What a player Dennis Irwin was. Incredible player and an incredible man in the way that he carried himself throughout all of that success and all of that spotlight. Mm. When Man United were like the greatest team in the world, certainly the most famous team in the world, under the spotlight. And, you know, Dennis, growing up in Toker, like my father worked for Securiker for a time and he, was, um, he used to work opposite shifts to Justin Irwin, Dennis's father. And that was when Dennis was in the youth team at Leeds with John Sheridan now and Scott Sellers and a couple of fellas like that. And, you know, so I remember, like, my father would bring home progress reports from Justin about how he was doing, because the media coverage then wasn't what it is today. But anyway, you follow, you know, my father hated Man United, but we, we both supported Man United. <laughs> Once everyone joined him, like, we rooted for Man United, because you had to, like. <laughs> you had, there was a lad from Toker playing for him. This was ever before Roy Keane got there. Yes. But what amazed me about Dennis Irwin was, was like the class with which he carried himself mm. all through the time. And I was, I was lucky enough when I was a sports journalist in Dublin to interview him a few times and I made a documentary about him for RTE uh, mm. once in the early 2000s. And everywhere you went to talk, we talked to Eddie Gray, Joe Royal, who managed him at Oldham, you know, Alex Ferguson, every, Jack Charlton, everybody said the same stuff. Mm. about him like what a classy operator he was and he would just put in the same shift every game you know I think it was Alex Ferguson said eight and a half nine out of ten yes. every single game and, and the one thing that I, I always think that people forget about Irwin too is at the end there when he went to Wolves you know and, and he, I think he was two seasons with Wolves one mm. season they got promoted they love him that Wolves like the fans he was loved a Wolves him. fan wasn't he Dave? Yeah, and, and but they loved the way like that he went there, having won everything in the game, mm. made his money at United, and he goes to Wolves, and he, you know, exactly the same for two seasons for Wolves. You know, he didn't go there and just take the money and turn up and say I'm too big for this. He put he he went there and played his heart out as he had done like all his life really, mm. and that you know again it sums up the man. And, and you know, even now you see him, he's an ambassador for United wherever he goes in the world. That's right. You know, he, he is he is beloved by the United fans, and then deservedly so. And for Toker, like he is just what a what an ambassador to have, mm. like that sent out into the world. This man who won everything and then carried himself with such dignity and class all through the whole thing. Well said, Dave. And um, I want to read a quote you actually that I just read yesterday from a United fan. Um, he said that uh, quite unassuming, shying away from the limelight and happy for others to take the plaudits, just going about his business, collecting 17 major trophies, including seven league titles and a Champions League, 12 seasons uh, at United and 529 games. What a servant, what a player. That really sums it up, doesn't it? That's it. Like what we're, the numbers, the numbers there actually like just speak. The numbers <laughs> speak for themselves, you know. Yeah, definitely. And I want to talk just well because I remember uh, doing games of multi-channel TV way back in the good old days, uh, Dave. And we used to do a lot of the the GA stuff. And Jeremy McCarthy was the co-commentator with me, another great bars man. And he told me that he'd seen Dennis's youngful playing, um, and he said he'd no doubt that Dennis would have made the Cork hurling team and the football team. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? 
United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You know, like people say that, and you go, ah, oh, that's, you know, that's kind of a tall tale. Like people say that about every fellow who went away. Mm. But. It's funny, I was reading the other day, Mick Carey, who was a great Bowers footballer with the Bowers, and won a couple of Club All-Irelands with the Bowers, was a teacher in Korea Street mm. when Dennis was there. And I remember speaking to Mick, and, um, and Mick basically said, you know, he was gutted when, when Dennis went to Leeds, because he said to him, <laughs> don't go stay here, go to UCC, you'll play hurling for Cork. Like, you'll play, you know, he didn't mention the football now, to be fair, but he just said, you'll hurl for Cork. Like, you, you, will, mm. you will play for Cork. You can go all the way. And, and Mick Carey was like, this was a terrible thing. Like, you know, he's leaving for Leeds. <laughs> he's leaving his great future behind him. And, and off he went. <laughs> and luckily, luckily, I mean, he went on to, uh, went on to greater things on the path that he, that he chose. Yeah, and I remember talking to Bill George as well, uh, who you'd know, uh, Dave, the uh, former writer for the uh, Echo and the Irish Examiner. He said that he, he watched Dennis put a 50 over the ball in Crow Park, age 14 or 15, I think it was. He could put a 50 over the ball back then. He was brilliant from the dead ball, wasn't he? Yep. And, and I mean, you, you could see, that was the other thing. When Beckham came along, like, I don't, yeah. you know, I, I, was, I used to get frustrated. Like, I'd want to see everyone <laughs> taking a few of those free kicks. Yeah. And actually, I'll tell you a funny story about when, when I made this documentary, uh, with my friend Colm O'Callaghan for RTE. Mm. Um, and we got, every, you know, I'm fairness, when you tell people that Dennis Irwin, it's for Dennis Irwin, everybody comes, everybody agrees, Roy Keane spoke to us, Jack, Mick McCarthy, who I don't think was a huge fan of Irwin, bizarrely, um, you know, Joe Royal, all these, Eddie Gray at Leeds United, all these people, and a lot of people in Cork as well. But uh, the, the point was, oh yeah, that when, we, when, when they showed it to RTE, one of the heads in RTE, having seen the finished cut, Said, this was like 2001, 2002. Um, could you not go back and get him to talk about Beckham more? <laughs> think about that. Like, think of the stupidity of that. Yeah. Could you not get him to talk about Beckham more? We just like we, every major figure in in British and Irish soccer has spoken about Irwin on this thing, and your man says, "Could you not go talk to Irwin and ask him to speak about Beckham more?" Aww. Like, Irwin was, uh, I remember, I actually did the intro for his, uh, when I got a doctorate, Dave, um, in UCC, I think it was, it was six years ago now, and um, I, I asked, actually, the club, 
um, to uh, ask Alex Ferguson would he send over a quote telling him that he was getting a doctorate in his hometown in the in UCC in Cork City and um, uh, Ferguson straight away sent over the uh, the quote and he said he knew how, how big a day it was for Dennis that he got a few himself Ferguson in his day and enjoyed the day and uh, I know that it'd be no problem to Dennis the coolest man on the pitch he was he was my first choice on the pitch but uh, you know Ferguson absolutely loved him and I suppose value for money Dave he was probably his best signer wasn't he himself in Cantona maybe? I think so I think so I mean that's a great pub argument to have like, yeah, yeah. which one you know I mean Cantona I suppose was a spark that kind of set everything alight but in terms of over, over a number of years Irwin just delivered season after season and, I, and I'll see you that Ferguson story and I'll raise you another one when we were making the documentary we sat down with Ferguson and he just sat into the chair and he goes what's this for again? And I said, well, it's, uh, we're making a documentary for RT, and he knows RT, obviously. We're making a documentary for RT about, about Dennis. Mm. And his first words out of his mouth were, about bloody time. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, certainly he, he, a lot of people would say that he doesn't get the credit he deserves, but uh, we certainly know how good he was. And, uh, you know, when they gave the freedom of the city that time to, to Roy and Sonia, I know a lot of people saying that Dennis should have got it around that time as well. It is an absolute disgrace. And, you know, don't even start me on that freedom of the city because mm. if there's some questionable characters still on the freedom of the city role, if you go down through history, that mm. should be excised from it, right? And then they should replace it. Like, with, with, there's a couple of people, Dennis Irwin, for starters, and Billy Morgan. Mm. Billy Morgan is another man who should be on there, you know, who has, who, who has given more to Cork sport mm. Mm. in their lifetime than Billy Morgan, you know. I mean, that's a very questionable thing to me, and the lack of Dennis Irwin on it is an absolute, it's a disgrace, and, it, you know, all the city councillors involved should be hammered for that. Yeah, well, it was great that two Torco boys, anyway, get, uh, paid tribute to the great man Dennis Irwin on his birthday weekend. Uh, thanks for that. Obviously, Dave, uh, you, you keep abreast of what's happening in sport in Ireland, and uh, more, more so, I would say, in Cork, probably. Uh, not a good... Um, not a good spell for Cork hurling and losing to Waterford yesterday was uh, disappointing in the Munster hurling championship semi-final, wasn't it? It, it? it was. I mean, this is this is a grim it's a grim couple of weeks there for us with the with Cork City, yeah. you know, falling apart and being relegated, and then um, and then the hurlers, you know, going out so tamely. Yes, I mean, I know they have they have a second match now, but you know, they really mm. it wasn't so much that they lost, like it was the manner of their defeat and the lack of fight. That they showed, uh, you know, they really they 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 seem to be off the off their game. I mean, I would say maybe it's a difficult season. It's a more difficult season for people because of all the restrictions and what have you. Um, and you know the way the way this whole thing is, we're in October playing championship hurling. Like uh, maybe we can make excuses for that, but it did seem to be very worrying how how lack how how they didn't seem to have the same fight as the Waterford fellas from what I could see anyway watching it on TV. Yeah, I'm sure you tell the folks in America how, how good a spectacle, how good a sport hurling is, no doubt. Oh, I absolutely do, yeah. I, I'm always, you know, telling people about it. And, um, in fact, I got into an argument one time at a, at a soccer, <laughs> at a kid's soccer match where I, they were talking about lacrosse, a stupid American game that they play here. And anyway, I went into this big rant about hurling and one of the fellas went back to his car and got an iPad and pu- pulled up hurling on YouTube and your man had to admit defeat. <laughs> said, I'd say so. All right, that looks like something else altogether. He said, I didn't know what you were talking about. But now that I can see that, I'll absolutely admit to you that sport is something special. Yeah, definitely. Which, of course, it is.
Yes, and speaking of special, Dave, and we have to get your thoughts on Christy Ring. 100 years ago yesterday, uh, Friday actually, he was born 100 years ago. Um, probably the greatest hurler ever. I think so, yeah. I mean, Dennis Walsh, uh, not a cockman there from Carrick Tool, wrote a great piece in the Sunday Times last week where he, he, he talked about, um, you know, was he the greatest ever, like, and how do we qualify that? And he even went through it statistically, and it just seems to me to be irrefutable. You know, it was, I know it was, was it uh, Jack or John Doyle, the, the temporary hurler, mm. who, who had won the same amount of All-Ireland as Ring, and he said, you know, the difference is I won eight All-Irelands with tip. You know, Christie won eight All-Irelands for Cork. <laughs> like, he basically was the difference in the whole thing. And I, I will say this, like, as, as an Irishman abroad, it's been fantastic reading and seeing so much of the ring stuff in the last week um, in newspapers and, you know, online and that. It has been a fantastic treat because, I mean, we obviously are too young for ring, myself mm. and yourself, but you did yeah. grow up with the stories yes. and the legends, you know, and your father would tell you things and, and you'd hear stories from uncles about him and stuff. And, you know, it is. It, I think we all kind of love reading and hearing that stuff, even though we never saw the man play. Mm. And he was kind of, you know, unfortunately he died or whatever, like I was only eight or nine when he died. But, you know, you, you still, it's some, when you're from Cork, like you grow up with Christy Ring is part of your consciousness as a Cork man or as a Cork person. 100%. Uh, did you hear the golf myth about Christy Ring, the golf story, uh, Dave? No, I didn't. I'll, I'll tell you that uh, before you leave us. Um, uh, this is the story anyway that uh, Christy Ring and Jack Lynch, rest him, uh, two gods of Cork, as we know, um, were, were in um, Glen Rovers one night after training. They went into the, the bar and there was golf on, obviously black and white pictures way back then. And uh, Jack Lynch sat himself, he was perched at the bar watching this new sport, you know, on television. And um, Lynch uh, was uh, engrossed by it. And, and the story was that Christy Ring came in a bit later and he said, what are you watching, uh, Jack, you know? And Lynch says, I'm watching the golf. He says, golf? And Ring says, that's for sissies. Sissies play, play golf. It's a new sissy sport. And uh, Lynch says, uh, no, he says, Christy, that's a uh, surprise with you. He said, that's a bit naive. He said, he said, this game is going to catch on and people are going to make millions from this sport in years to come. And he said, look at the shot there. He, look at that shot there. He said, these fellas, this is a mind game. Lynch was into it. And Ring goes, nah, sissy sport, he says. And uh, Lynch turned around and he goes, look, he says, I was thinking about you there. Well, I go, Christy. He says, this game is made for you. The balance you have, the strength, the coordination, eye hand coordination. He said, you'd make millions from this by in years to come. Ring goes, maybe so, maybe so. And he went off and I talked to somebody else. One Sunday, anyway. It's quite a long story, Dave. I know you've only a few minutes left before you go to football with, the, with, with your kid. But um, one Sunday, anyway, nothing happening. No GA. Uh, Lynch calls for Ring. Uh, where are we going? Uh, Lynch says, we're going to uh, Cork Golf Club. We're playing golf. Ring goes, I've no golf clubs. Lynch says, I have them in the car for you. Get on. Get on your court. Come on. Uh, Ring reluctantly get on his court. And a hat. He went a bit incognito. He didn't want to see anyone watching ring play sissy sport. So they were out in the uh, first tee in the golf club. And um, Ring goes, what do I do? Lynch hands him the club anyway. And uh, the tee was there, obviously, in the ground and the ball on top. And he says, you hit the, the ball. See the, see, see the flag up there, up the hill? See the flag? Ring, uh, Ring goes, yeah. He said, hit it, hit the ball off that tee and get as close to the flag as you can. So Ring goes, all right, out of the way. Lynch, uh, Ring hit it anyway, like an arrow, foot from the pin. Lynch hit his one, hit the next one, hit the next one. Ring was waiting on the, gr- on the green. And Ring goes, what do I do now? And he says, you put it in the hole now. Ring goes, you could have taught me that back there, he said. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one, isn't it? I love it. I yeah. love it. And that's the, you know, that's the thing. Like, 
we never saw a ring play. Like we we never met the man, but the stories, the stories are yeah. what keep us warm on winter nights. You know, we yeah. love the we love the tall tales. Like brilliant. And the last one, so you just mentioned it there, Dave. I was going to get to a Cork City being relegated, which is sad for all the City fans. We know there's diehard Cork City fans. They're probably the best supported uh, club in the country for years, and all that success we had under John Caulfield up to a few years ago, winning the double in 2017. And it seems to follow Cork soccer in history, doesn't it, Dave? That after a, a great few years winning trophies then it goes downhill it does and and you know really bizarrely like the um my my cousin uh garrod morrissey is the captain of cork city he's your cousin, um yeah. and he's a great hero to my kids uh because he's on fifa he, he's on fifa the video game so my kids love this that they have an avatar of this guy that is their cousin but this will tell you how Cork soccer never changes. In the 40s, the great Cork team of the 40s, I think it was Cork United, and they won over a seven-year stretch. They were the most successful League of Ireland team ever in Cork. I think they won a number of league titles, a number mm. of doubles, etc. And in, after seven years of unbridled success, uh, in their eighth year, they started the season, and they gave a debut uh, to my grandfather, Tommy Morrissey. Right. And he, got, he made his debut for Cork United, and a week later, they folded... And when I was watching Cork City unfold in the last few weeks, like you're thinking, there was you know there was a threat to Cork's very existence there uh, before the guy from Preston North End came along and and whatever. And I'm like, nothing ever changes. Yeah. Like Garrod, that was Garrod's grandfather, Tommy Morris. He would have been his grandfather too. And you Good know story. that was a Cork team falling whatever 70 years ago. And here we have the same. The same thing it happens again and again. I know you can go through the 70s and tell the same story. Yeah, with the 80s, Celtic, the same yeah. story again, you know? Yeah, with Hibs and Celtic, yeah. What, what do you make, finally, uh, Dave, of, of Preston uh, coming in and, and, and taking over, obviously, the Forest uh, group, uh, save the club back when they were nearly thrown out. They were an hour away from going out to the High Court at that time. They were told to go in, think about it, and uh, Forest came in and, and saved them back in 2008 and, uh, you know, did really well. And uh, they deserve a lot of credit, but uh, you know they're gone out. It's a 100% takeover from Preston. Yeah, I, I think that's unfortunate because I, I thought the Forest people, like, I mean, that was a great romantic story, the way they kept mm. the club alive back then and then rebuilt it and went, you know, won the first division and, and got up out of the first division into the Premier League and whatever, mm. and then won that and had these great, you know, Dundalk and themselves, like, jousting there for years or for a few seasons. Um, I I always worry about it when when an outsider comes in, even with deep even with deep pockets, you know. Yeah. He, and you hope the man is, has the right intentions and um, and stuff. And I know he has a place in Cork and obviously has some sort of affinity with the place. Mm. But mm. you'd worry, you know, you you'd worry. And that's again, it's a cyclical thing. We, there's been saviors before for Cork, you know. There's been saviors before for Cork soccer clubs, and it doesn't quite always work out the way we hope it would. Well, let's hope this one uh, works out. And it was great having your thoughts on the score here in Cork's 96FM on this uh, wet Sunday afternoon in Cork, uh, Dave. I, I'm not sure what the weather's like over, but it's, uh, it's teeming down rain here. Nothing much changes in that regard anyway. It's cold and dry. Cold and dry and heading out the door now with a woolly hat in my head. But listen, Trevor, thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Lovely to talk to you. Um, and we'll uh, hopefully have a, have a beer or two when it's safe to do so when you're back in God's country. Sometime in, in, in many years from now, I'd say. All right, Trevor. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Good luck. Bye. Talk soon. Cheers. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 